0: This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. And now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to Jesus, and the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. And so he told them this parable. There was a man who had two sons, the younger of them, The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. And so he divided his property between them. And a few days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and traveled to a distant country. And there he squandered his property and dissolute living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout that country, and he began to be in need. And so he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him to, into his fields to feed the pigs. And he would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating. And no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to spare, but here I'm dying of hunger? I will get up and I will go to my father. And I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. And so he set off and he went to his father. But while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. And he ran and he put his arms around him and kissed him. and is found and they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field and when he came and approached the house he heard music and dancing and he called one of the slaves and asked what was going on and the slave replied your brother has come and your father has killed the fatted calf because he got him back safe and sound and then he, was, he became angry and refused to go in. But his father came out and began to plead with him. And he answered his father, Listen, for all these years I've been working like a slave for you, and I've never disobeyed your command, and yet you have never given me even a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came back, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. And then the father said to him, son you're always with me and all that is mine is yours but we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and has become alive he was lost and has been found the gospel of the lord and so heavenly father as we come to your word we pray that we would hear not just the words of men but the words of god And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. I want to take that as my text this morning from Luke's Gospel, chapter 15, and beginning at verse 1. If you're making use of the Pew Bible, you can find that text on page 1039. Luke's Gospel, chapter 15, and beginning at verse 1. And I've titled my talk this morning, God is Gracious, Like It or Not. God is Gracious, Like It or Not, which might seem a strange title. After all, doesn't everyone like grace? Well, in point of fact, no. (laughs) Not everyone likes grace. And some religious people feel very strongly not that our relationship with God is established by grace, but rather that we are right and they are right and have a right relationship with God because they earn it by means of their good works. And they believe quite strongly that if others are to have a right relationship with God, they must earn it in the same way that they do. And this was certainly the case with the Pharisees and the scribes, religious leaders in Jesus' day. Indeed, Luke tells us in our text, beginning at verse 1, that the tax collectors who were considered traitors, they were collecting taxes for the Romans. They were Jews, collaborators, as they would have been seen. I mean, our tax collectors aren't collecting for another country, and we don't even like them. Just imagine if they were collecting taxes for someone else and that we were under martial law. The tax collectors and sinners, that is people who didn't keep the Mosaic law or live according to the traditions of the rabbis, the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled. This man receives sinners. And he even eats with them. Now standard practice, you might not realize this, standard practice amongst the Pharisees and the scribes was to separate them from people like this, people who had not made the same religious commitments that they had to order their lives after the law of Moses and the traditions of the rabbis. Indeed, they regularly shunned people like this, sort of a form of passive aggression. And certainly an expression of contempt that those people weren't worthy of their presence or worthy of their words but Jesus on the other hand spent time with these sorts of people indeed he ate with them and uh, what why this was so controversial was in Jesus's day as it still is in our day in some places to eat with someone was a sign of acceptance Indeed, Jesus was gracious and loving towards sinners, never mind their faults. And we're told in the Scriptures that sinners listened to him. One of the Gospels says, gladly. And the religious criticized him for it. And to address their response, Luke tells us that Jesus told them a parable. Now, there's actually three parables in this uh, 15th chapter of Luke. Uh, there's the parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, and then what we just read the parable of the lost son. Three things lost and found, and celebration takes place because what was lost was found. Um, but um, perhaps uh, emphasis on the third one, inasmuch as the parable of the lost son is three times as long as the first two parables combined. But Jesus tells this parable, the last of the three, and says that a man had two sons. And he says in verse 12 that the younger man said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that's coming to me. And interestingly enough, the father divided his property between the two sons and gave the younger one what he wanted. There were two sons, according to Mosaic law, the firstborn was to receive a double portion, so he would have figured his property and his assets, and he would have divided them by three, and given the younger son one-third, because the older son would, when he took his inheritance, would be entitled to a double portion. But what he did for the son, and the son asking the father for his inheritance, was, was, uh, was unusual to say the least and under normal circumstances an inheritance would be presented after the benefactor's death in a sort of left-handed way the son the younger son is saying to his father you're better off to me dead I don't want you I don't want to stay here I don't want to listen to you I don't want to live under your roof but I want your stuff and so give it to me and the father complies there's another lesson in that perhaps there's no speech there's no cajoling there's no shaming he just figures it out and gives it to the son and Jesus says in verse 13 and not many days later the younger son gathered all that he had and he took a journey into a far country as far as he could get away from the voice of his father. And we're told, and there he squandered his property with reckless living. He was young, he was stupid, and our actions have consequences. And Jesus says in verse 14, and when the younger son had spent everything that he had, (laughs) he had taken himself into a complete state of unsolvency. A severe famine arose in that country, a, few, a, a food shortage and he began to be in need. And so he went and he hired himself out to one that he thought might uh, be able to help him, to a pig farmer, which might tell us a little, give us some hints about where he was. He was a Jew and now he's in a place where they raise pigs. Jews don't raise pigs. So he went out and he hired himself to one of the citizens of the country where he was. And he, this citizen sent him out into his field to fig pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods, probably carob pods. To be fed with the pods that the farmer, the pig, the pig, what do you call a pig rancher, I guess? I don't know. To be fed with what they were feeding the pigs with. But no one gave him anything. But then notice what happens, because this is where the story gets really good. This is the pivot right here. And some people pivot. And this young man did. Notice verse 17. But when he came to himself. <laughs> But when he came to himself, that is, he began to think different thoughts, maybe, about his father <laughs> and what he had before. All that he had taken for granted, this little smart Alec, <laughs> He began to think differently, or if you like, he, he was, began to change his mind. That's what the New Testament calls repentance, metanoia. It literally means to think again. When John the Baptist says repent, he's saying think again. Change your mind about what you're doing and who you are and who God is. And uh, he's the creator and you're the creature. He's the redeemer and you need to be redeemed. He's the sustainer and... You need to be sustained. In fact, it's in Him that we live and move and have our being. Repentance. That's what this young man is doing. And it's when he does this that things begin to change for the better. In fact, we often think of crisis as a bad thing. But not infrequently, crisis is a good thing. It helps us to think differently, it shakes us up, it helps us to see things the way they really are. Not infrequently, crisis leads to positive change, positive change that we would never pursue were it not for the crisis that forces us to pursue it. John Zoll in a great book called Grace in Addiction, he wrote this. He says, most people don't change until the pain of staying the same becomes greater than the pain of changing. (laughs) I love that. Listen to that again. Most people don't change until the pain of staying the same becomes greater than the pain of changing. Or someone else has written, things change when I change. In fact, most of you think that the the key to change is everybody else around you changing, and then you can be who you were always meant to be. How's that working out? (laughs) You can't change anybody, but you can change yourself. And that's what this young man is doing. Notice verse 17 but when he came to himself, who else is around? But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and I will go to my father and I will say to him, he says, composing his and practicing his confession.'" I will arise and I will go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. That's right. What's the fifth commandment? Exodus chapter 20 and verse 12, I think. I don't have it written down. (laughs) Honor your father and your mother. Had he honored his father and mother by telling him, you know what? You're worth more to me to dead. Give me my money. He had disgraced his father treated him like a rube father I have sinned against heaven and before you God told me to honor you and I haven't I'm no longer worthy to be called your son I'm not worthy of that I'm not worthy I'm not equal to the word son I haven't acted like a son I've acted like an enemy I've acted worse than a hired hand But if you would be merciful and gracious to me, I'd like you to give me that. Indeed, notice verse 19. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son, but treat me as one of your hired servants. I'm a hired servant out here with this pig farmer, but that's not working out. Verse 20, And he arose and he came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. See, I'm looking way out here across this field, and I can see those cars. They're awfully small. They're just about like that. But I can see them. And this man looked, and he saw, Who's that? I know that shape, even from this distance. And even while he was a long way off, his father saw him. And his father was watching for him as God does, waiting for us to change our mind and to return to him. Verse 20, and he arose and he came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion. You know the dynamics, right, in the house? You got your mom and your dad there and how, does it work? How has it ever worked out for you, you know? You screw it all up and then you come back to ask for mercy and grace. Where, where's, 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 the, where's your father's hands? Maybe like, uh, kind of like this. <laughs> and he's saying to mom, this better be good. But none of that's here. None of that's here. It said that all of that is missing. In fact, you might want to read the, this, the parable of the lost son and ask yourself all of, what's all of the things that are missing here? He rose and he came to his father, but while he was a still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. Now, this is first century Jewish culture. They didn't wear, men didn't wear long pants. They wore robes. You can't, you can't run in robes. So what do you do? Well, you gotta pick the, you got to pick that up and get that up over your knees so you can run. And that kind of action by an older man who owns a large estate would have considered, been considered a, uh, less than decorous. But he didn't care about that. He seemed not to care about his money, he seemed not to care about decorum or what people thought about him. That's my son. That's my son. And so he felt compassion and he ran and he embraced him and he kissed him. I'm guessing he kissed him over and over and over again and then the son began to Deliver what he had rehearsed, this confession. But as you'll notice, he doesn't make it halfway through. <laughs> and the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you I'm, not, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And verse 22, that's the, I think that's one of the biggest butts in the Bible, right there. Verse 22. But the father said to the servants, Bring quickly the best robe. Why the urgency? <laughs> Because I have been waiting day after day after day. And now he's here. Quickly bring the best robe. What's the father doing? He's treating him like the guest of honor. Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. And put on him the family ring. This may be, a, uh, uh, may be a reference to the signet ring, which would be not only a family ring, but a, 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 a ring that uh, has authority and power behind it. The sort of ring that you use to, to seal official docu- business documents. Put it on his finger. He will be my deputy. By the way, in the Bible, over and over, Old Testament and New, this whole reversal of the older son and the younger son over and over and the younger the older shall serve the younger and here you have an example of this again but the father said to the servants bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and the ring on his hand He never got round to saying to his father, And Lord, make me one of your servants, one of your slaves, and put shoes on his feet. He no doubt didn't have shoes on his feet. He had become a slave in the far country and lost his shoes. He probably sold his shoes. But slaves go barefooted, not sons. This is my son. Put sandals on his feet. And the father said, and bring the fatted calf. You know, the one we've been fattening up for some special occasion. There's no more special occasion than this. Bring the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. This is exactly what God does. When we come to our senses, and we return to Him, some of you are afraid to do that, because you imagine there'll be a different response. But Jesus is saying, this is the response that you can expect. We call this grace. (laughs) But not everyone likes grace. Indeed, notice verse 25. Now, the older son, he was out in the field. His father owned this estate. His father was a farmer. I don't know whether it was barley or wheat or what it was. He's finished, perhaps, finished his work for the day. And so he's come near. He drew near to the house and he heard music and and dancing. Well, that didn't happen every day. So he called one of the servants, verse 26, and he asked what these things meant. We would say, what's going on? And the servant said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fatted calf because he's received him back, safe and sound. Notice verse 28. And he said, oh, isn't that wonderful? Grace is so wonderful and I've always known my father to be a gracious man, so this is no great surprise. Notice verse 28. But he was angry and he refused to go in. He refused to participate. A little more passive aggression. <laughs> grace makes the, the older brother angry, just like grace made the Pharisees and the scribes angry. And still, Jesus says in the second half of verse 28 that the Father came out and entreated him. You know, one of the things that you'll notice, and it really is an extraordinary thing, and that is how humble God is. And c- certainly we saw that in the, in the person of Jesus Christ, when God takes on human flesh. Is he proud or is he humble? Well, he's as humble as they get. The son is angry. He's proud. He will not go in. He will not participate in this nonsense, even though this... What's going on is an expression of the father's heart. He doesn't share the father's heart. (laughs) So the father goes out to him to say, come in, come in. This is such a happy occasion. But the brother won't budge. In fact, what does he do? (laughs) He criticizes the father. Verse 29, but the older brother answered his father, look, that, that, this is extraordinary. He's saying to his father, hey, pay attention. Look here. These many years I have served you, I've never disobeyed your command, and yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends, but when this son of yours, it's, that's an expression of contempt. He didn't say, but my brother. He says, this son of yours, You've done wrong and he's done wrong. And both of you have done me wrong. But when this son of yours came who has devoured your property with prostitutes, it, it, the older son is saying, aren't you stupid? When this son of yours came who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you kill the fatted calf for him. None of this makes any sense. And perhaps grace doesn't. It transcends sense. Verse 31, But the father said to him, Son, you're always with me. You're here. And all that I have is, is all that is mine is yours. It's true. I figured it out. Cut it into three parts. Gave your younger brother one third as his, The custom, and the other two-thirds that we have here left, when I'm gone, it's all yours. Verse 32, But it was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this brother of yours. (laughs) He's not just my son. He's your brother. The Pharisee, the scribe, the Jewish tax collector the Jewish quote-unquote sinner who doesn't keep kosher and who doesn't keep the holidays. You're all brothers. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad but this brother of yours was dead and is alive. He was lost. And now he's found. So let's be let's be (laughs) clear because there's always a lot of confusion about these things. Justice, mercy, grace. Justice is when God gives us what we deserve. We we like justice, well you know they did this and so on and so we're going to demand justice. Justice is when God gives us what we deserve. Is that what you want? Do you want what you deserve? (laughs) I don't. (laughs) Romans 6 and 23 says, the wages of sin is death. And 1 John 1 and verse 8 says, and if we say we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. The older brother didn't think he was really anything like his younger brother. He was very much like his younger brother. He just was doing it in a different way. The younger brother said, give me my money so I can go and the older brother was obeying so he could get the father's stuff. They just had different techniques and a different plan to get to the father's stuff. The older brother was just as much a sinner in need of grace as was the younger. And maybe more, I don't know. In a sense the younger brother is more open about what he's trying to do whereas the older brother is deceptive and you don't know what's going on in that mind of his. So that's justice, when God gives us what we deserve. Mercy is when God spares us and delivers us from what we deserve. And the scriptures say in various different places that God is rich in mercy. So justice gives you what you deserve. Mercy delivers you from what you deserve. Finally, grace is when God gives you what you don't deserve. (laughs) So justice is when he gives you what you deserve. Mercy is when he delivers you from what you deserve. And grace is when he gives you something that you don't deserve. It's pure gift. Just the thing we need, if any of us, including myself, including you, would have a right relationship with God, and by the way, just the thing we need to motivate us to true love and true devotion. Anyone who understands the difference between justice and mercy and grace and has become a recipient of grace, if they understand what has been given to them, they will love the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, and their neighbors, their self, as they were told so to do by by God Himself. And they won't do it perfectly. But they will want to do it because the God of grace asked them to do it. It's like the the soldier or the marine or whatever branch of service who's, who's delivered by some other soldier or marine or whatever. And after all of that says, I owe you my life. <laughs> I'll be ob- obliged to you forever. Because he understands that if it wasn't for that, he'd be dead or she would be dead. And when we understand what grace is, it's the greatest motivator to obedience that ever there was. Ephesians 2, verses 8 to 10. We usually leave out verse 10. But I have it here because it's so applicable. Ephesians 2, beginning at verse 8, For by grace you have been saved. How are we saved? By by gift. (laughs) The older brother the younger brother. Does it make any difference? For by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not as a result of works, as if you could earn it, so that no one boasts. And verse 10, For we are God's workmanship. He's made us, He's created us. Created in Christ Jesus for what? For good works. That's the purpose. He changes you. He takes you from this state of spirituality or lack thereof. He puts you into Christ. You are, you are dead in your trespasses and sins. He raises you and makes you alive. In fact, that's all in Ephesians 2, by the way. Why? For good works, which God has prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. It's all there. Grace and works and understanding the latter In the right way. So I close with this. So who are you? Are you the older brother? A lot of older brothers in the church. I don't have a problem. Somebody else's problem. It's a younger brother's problem. And I don't need grace because I'm earning my way. Or perhaps you're the younger brother. But then that begs another couple of questions, and that is, if you're the younger brother, where are you? Are you in the father's house? Or are you in the far country? And if you're in the far country, when will you come to yourself? God is gracious, like it or not. Let us pray. Mm-hmm. What, did, what, did, what did you say, Lord, through the prophet Isaiah? My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. I don't know why, Lord, we always think what we think, and then we just imagine that you're on our side. I think what we need to do, Lord, is to pay attention to what it is that you're doing and how you think and how you act, And instead of conforming you to our lives, we need to conform our lives to yours. In fact, that's what it's all about. It's not about bringing you into our life. You invite us into your life. Jesus didn't come and say, hey, where are you going so I can follow you? He says, I know exactly where I'm going. Follow me! And as the prayer book says, and the way of the cross is the way of life and peace. All counterintuitive, all countercultural, because it's about you, not about us. So help us, Lord, to think about these things. We oftentimes are thinking about all the things we're going to lose and lose sight of all the things we're going to gain and the joy of them, So that there's never any regrets, even as Paul said, "I count everything as loss, for everything that I gain in Christ." And everyone who has experienced that knows joy unspeakable, and full of glory. Give us a taste for it, Lord. If we, if need be, make us make the pain more intense. Whatever is required to come to ourselves. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.